The Power of the Word is brought to you each week by the support of our partners and friends. Today on Power of the Word. However, discernment alone is inadequate because your discerner can get confused if your information is not accurate. Because you can think good is bad and bad is good unless you got accurate information. Conscience is not a safe guide. Conscience is real, but conscience can be altered. The Bible says there are those who have seared their conscience. The Bible talks about conscience as part of the equipment that God's given us, but conscience alone is insufficient because conscience can be altered by bad information. The things you used to think were bad, now you think are good. And so your conscience doesn't convict you anymore. That's how people sear their conscience. Words are powerful. In fact, the course for your life is set into motion through your words. In this dynamic book, Dr. King shares the importance of controlling the words you speak. You'll learn how to apply faith through what you say, control your words, thoughts, and attitudes, overcome your problems by declaring the truth of Scripture, and create an atmosphere of faith in your life. To get your copy of Speaking Faith-Filled Words by Dr. Ed King for only $14, visit us at poweroftheword.com or call us at 1-800-956-4433. Set the path for your life today by speaking faith-filled words. You know, there's times that you, uh, you know, there's things that you know they ought to be taught just because you know. And then there's times that God really uh, tells you what to teach. You, you know what I'm saying? And this is one of those times that this is by divine direction. That all right? And, uh, you know, I, I don't say that loosely. I mean, I always believe he directs what we do because we pray about it. We ask him to. We're submissive to, to his will. But I know that the Lord really instructed me to do this, and this will probably turn into at least a short series. I don't know how long, but probably there will be some more messages that will follow. Is that okay? You don't know what you're saying okay to, but uh, anyway. Uh, I want to talk to you about uh, some words that Jesus used and again, this will be the title of our little series, Be Not Deceived. Be Not Deceived. Now, I want you to go as our text for this particular teaching today, and we may use it more. I'm sure we will. But now, when this piece of Scripture or this truth was given, and these are, these are Jesus' words himself, he was talking to a group of people and they asked him certain questions about what was coming. What's, what's the future going to be like? And you find in uh, Matthew 24, Mark 13, 
and Luke 21, it's a recording of the same thing. Each one of them heard him say this and it was recorded. And so each one of them say it a little bit differently, and, but it's still the same story. Amen. And so we're going to read from Matthew 24. Now, it's important to remember uh, Scripture is, it always has a context. It has a contextual um, interpretation. And so I've heard these passages referred to so many times over the years, and people take it as a schematic for what it's going to look like before Jesus comes. And it's true what you're seeing here. But this is a, a, a particular setting in time that is between what we call the catching away of the church or the rapture of the church and his appearing. And so this passage is related to that seven-year period of time in between those two events. So a lot of people try to superimpose this passage into the events of today. And in reality, you can't do that, even though somewhat you can do that, because you see the foreshadowing or the preview by events that are going on today of these events. So in some ways, it's applicable, but in actuality, it's for a time coming. You follow that? It comes during that seven-year period, and it was written specifically, or these statements were made specifically to the Jewish people and the Jewish nation, not to church. Very important. So I say those things to clarify because sometimes when you get into this, there's that questioning or wondering, so I'm pre-qualifying it before those questions come up. Is that all right? This is not for you. It is in the flow of events as they preview or foreshadow but it's not for you because you won't be here if you know Jesus Christ amen, amen. but anyway we find in Matthew 24 verse number 3 and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives his disciples came unto him privately saying tell us what shall uh, when, sh when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world and Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And then he began a long discourse of things that would happen, and he said there's great tribulation that's coming, and on and on and on. But the first thing that he did to answer their question, the first thing he said to watch for was deception. That's the very first thing he said. He said, so there are going to be events that will happen. There will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be all sorts of things that will come. He said, but the first thing you have to have caution for or toward is that you don't be deceived. Now, even though this was to them for that time, it's to us for our time. And so the concept of deception is a very real thing. And there are things that the devil does to deceive people. The devil is a master of disguise. He's a master of deception. He has strategies that he works. He has things he does. He doesn't want you to know he exists. He'll tell you there is no such thing as the devil. And then when he does things to you, he'll say, God did it. He's just that way. That's his MO. That's what he does. His method of operation. 
But so Jesus said, he gave them an instruction and a warning. He said, take heed that no man deceive you. Now we could underscore here the word man as well as we could deceive because this deception came through other people. Now remember it comes directly from the devil, but he uses other people. Now that's not all he does. There's other ways he deceives. There's, other, there's many ways he deceives. Sometimes it talks about self-deception. Sometimes it talks about false teaching. Well, that comes through other men, though, primarily. But the primary way deception does come is through other people. Primarily more than any other way that I know of, even though there are other ways. But he said, be not deceived. Everybody say, be not deceived. Be not deceived. So if he tells us to not be deceived, then there's evidently some way that we can prevent it. There's obviously things that we can do. And we'll get into that as we go through the, the, the little series more and more and more. We'll talk more about that. But I just want to introduce the subject to you that deception's real and it needs to be guarded against. And probably your success as a Christian and your success in your spiritual life is more dependent on that than maybe any other thing. Because that's the first thing Jesus said. He could have said any, he could have started any other way, but he started right there. And he goes down here in verse number, number 11. He said, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. So notice this deception came through false prophets or people actually in the ministry presenting Jesus in a false way. Amen. And you see that all over today. I heard a fellow say the other day, and it, it struck me, I'd, I'd never kind of heard this exactly this way. I mean, it was, a, it was a shocking statement. He said, but it seems like all the churches that are growing big right now are the ones who, who basically denied the faith. Well, that's scriptural too. You get into the Laodicean church. Now, I'm not saying because a, a church is big that they've denied the faith. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying when you have to do the things that many people are doing right now to get the church to grow, when you see some of the things that are coming out of Rome, you see some of the things that are coming on, you go to Atlanta, you don't have to go to Rome. You go to Dallas-Fort Worth, you don't have to go to Rome. You don't have to go very far. And I'm talking about big churches and big names in ministry that are doing things that are absolutely abhorrent to the truth of the gospel. And I'd consider them false prophets. Why? Because they mislead people. And he said, that's one of the things you'll have to guard against in the hour you live in. You're going to have to guard against false teaching and false preaching and things that, that tell you bad is good and good is bad. And tell you you're wrong if you have moral standards. You've got to get with it. You've got to be a part of the program today. You've got to understand, you know, times have changed. It's different today than it was. The truth of God's words never changed. The standards of God are still the same as they've always been. The Ten Commandments didn't get a modification. It's not Christianity light. It's not drive-through Christianity. The home of the 2% tithe. It's not that. What God said is what He meant 
And if he couldn't say what he meant, why didn't he go to school <laughs> and learn how to talk? I don't believe he needed to. I believe he said exactly what he meant, and it's up to us to understand it. I heard had somebody uh, say this um, to me, and it was kind of a put-down statement when they said it. Of course, that's not new. Um, you get to know what goes with the territory. And they said, aren't you, don't, don't you know? You know, they, they get over there in James where it says, be not many masters for teachers, for knowing you shall receive the greater condemnation. In other words, he's saying, don't assume the role of a teacher if you're not supposed to be there. That's, that's you know, rendering of it. And they said to me, said, don't you know that you're going to be responsible for everything you say? And I said, well, don't you know? You're going to be responsible for everything I say too? If God told me to say it. So don't just, you know, that, that buggy goes both ways. You understand what I'm saying? See, so it's not just the responsibility of the speaker, it's the responsibility of the hearer. And it does truly go both ways. So God does raise up people to talk, but we have to be discerning enough to understand, should we listen or should we not? Now, there is a thing in the Bible called discerning. And it's a real important thing in this whole concept of deception. You need to have discernment about you. You really should. However, discernment alone is inadequate because your discerner can get confused if your information is not accurate. Because you can think good is bad and bad is good unless you've got accurate information. Conscience is not a safe guide. Conscience is real, but conscience can be altered. The Bible says there are those who have seared their conscience. The Bible talks about conscience as part of the equipment that God's given us, but conscience alone is insufficient because conscience can be altered by bad information. The things you used to think were bad, now you think are good. And so your conscience doesn't convict you anymore. That's how people sear their conscience. They do it. You know, so it's real. But we'll talk about that more as we unfold this teaching. We find in Matthew 24, verse 24, it says, For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible they should deceive the very elect. Now the elect here that he's talking about, there's two elects primarily in the Bible. Uh, I'll just for general information, we'll leave it at that. The elect, as it relates to the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, but the elect as it relates to the church, God's spiritual family. Amen. Now this elect being mentioned here right here could apply to either but it would apply directly to the Jews because that's who he was speaking to right there. So he said it's not possible if you do certain things to deceive the elect but you got to do certain things. It's not saying you can't be deceived it says you can be deceived if you don't do the right things and there are things that you have to do. Now the word deception is an interesting word 
It means to cause to roam from safety. We were looking at the news yesterday and we saw that uh, there's some people, they, they lost, you might have seen it, they lost their basset hound in the bad weather. And I know how hounds are. Hounds follow their nose. And if you got a hound, you need a fence. Unless you want them to be in Timbuktu. Because I know about that. Okay? And uh, they're great, but they like to hunt. And sometimes the hunt is more important than home. You know? So they're motivated by a hunt and food. And if you want to get them back, tell them you got food. They'll come. And, but otherwise, they got kind of a mind of their own sometimes. Okay? But anyway, they lost their basset hound, and it was gone for, I, th I think it was, what, eight days? Eight days in the snow and in the cold. It wasn't a big dog, and it said it had lost 16 pounds. And it wasn't a big dog. And so, uh, you know, people can just uh, be like the hound. They can follow their nose. And your instincts can get you in trouble. Well, that's what it means here. It says to cause to roam from safety. God's got a safe place for you. But you can roam from it. That's what deception is. It means to roam from safety, to roam from truth, or to roam from virtue your moral compass that God gives you. It means to go astray. It means to seduce. So this seduction is a part of deception. They go together. It means to err. It means to go out of the way. It means to embrace error. I'm just giving you what the textbook says. You know what the Greek definition is. It means a mental or a moral straying. A mental or a moral straying. If you see yourself begin to drift in what you used to think was right, and now you begin to question that, and you begin to see yourself drifting over into wrong kind of television, you see yourself drifting into the wrong kind of entertainment, things of that nature, you better put a check on it. You have to check it before it goes too far. You have to see it happening to you. I was listening to uh, Billy Graham. I, you know, there's a, there's a radio station where you can go back and listen to all Billy Graham's, uh, you know, his sermons. And I, I really like to do that. But he was talking about being in a, a city, and uh, he, he was looking at the newspaper. That, you know it had to be old. Do they even make newspapers anymore, you know? Uh, today we'd have to say we were looking at our phone or our tablet or whatever. But anyway, he said he was looking at the newspaper and he got over to the uh, entertainment section. He was looking at all the movies and all. And he said just virtually every one of them was rated R, you know, which tells you the moral condition of what was going on there. And uh, he was talking about himself and he, he, and he was making reference to himself. And he said, I, I sometimes surprise myself these are my words, not exact quote, at the things that I find myself tolerating that I used to not tolerate. And he said, it, he said, it upsets me about me. 
And it should upset anybody who's responsible in their faith. What you used to think was wrong, now you begin to embrace. And you better stop and take a pause and look a little closer because you might be tiptoeing around that area of deception because God didn't change. He didn't change. Well, we got, a, we got an adjustment made. Well, he doesn't adjust. Now, he may accommodate your stupidity because he is forgiving and he is loving, but to say he approves, he doesn't. And we'll go a little bit further with that here in a minute, okay? And we find here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 14, it says that we henceforth be no more children. Now that's a good, that's a good thing to say, that we be no more children. What does that mean? That means that in our faith, we're not children in our understanding. Now we may be childlike in our attitudes, but not childish in how we look at things. God blesses us when we're childlike, but he doesn't bless us when we refuse to grow up spiritually. There's a time we have to grow up. There's some, the, the Bible says to flee youthful lusts. So there's a time you outgrow certain things. I'm working on a few things. Some things I've never been able to uproot. I still like hot rods and I can't help it. But I don't know that that's a sin. You were supposed to laugh right there, but you didn't. Uh, but anyway, uh, there's certain things that I'm working on, but it doesn't seem to be taken all that well. But um, he said that we henceforth be no more children, because if you're a child in your understanding, he said, you'll be tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Everything that blows through has an impact on you in a, in a more um, decision-making framework than it should. You shouldn't be blown around by everything that blows through. We were talking about this on the way, just driving in this morning, and uh, there were some things that motivated us talking. And I said, how many times have you heard, uh, we were watching the trucks go by, and it just so happened that the truck, the semis, and we're watching these semis go by, and we saw that they're, you know, they had grocery stores on them and, you know, food trucks and on and on and on. And they're going, you know, to deliver food. I said, now, how many times have you heard in the last three or four years since the lockdown and all that, that we're going into a food shortage and you better stock up and you better have six months worth of food? And I said, here it goes. I said, I'm tired of hearing the stuff. I'm tired of hearing from these people who don't know anything about what they're talking about. And then everybody's got a new revelation and a new prophecy about how bad it's going to be. I'm here to tell you Jesus is Lord, and that's the end of that. And I'm in him, and he's in me. He promised to provide for me. End of story. I'm not paying any more attention to it. That's it. I'm done with it. Because they don't know what they're talking about. And they need to just come clean and instead of trying to be sensational and get some followers and deal with truth. And that's what you need to do. Not be blown about by every wind that wants to blow through. You remember Y2K? 
You better fill your bathtub with water because you're not going to have it. You know, you know what I'm talking about. And it's like, how many times, how many times, how many times do we have to hear it? Well, don't you know what's coming? Uh, no. And guess what? Neither do you. I'd say the best thing you can do is build your faith and trust God and live your life in a sane way. That's what you could do. And instead of being worried about, about so many things that you have no control over. That's pretty good counsel. Amen. Amen. He said, uh, be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Now you see that strategy right there. Now I think about this lying wait to deceive. Um, I used to work with some guys I don't know if they were really hunters or just woodsmen, because there is a difference. But they used to go out and build and get in tree stands in the woods and wait on deer to come by. Now, I never saw one of the deer. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if they were real hunters or just woodsmen. I think they just really wanted to go hang out in the woods and act like they were hunters. Now, there are authentic hunters, but I'm talking about my frame of reference. Amen. Well, I got a wildlife camera. Well, that's good. We're the wildlife. We ain't bringing any bacon home. That's all I know. But the point is this. They go hide in the trees and they put all kinds of spray on them so they don't have, they don't smell like humans. And, uh, you know, don't give themselves away. And you see these people that go out and they hunt ducks and they get in these blinds, you know, so the ducks will come in and they put these decoys out on the water and these, 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 these geese come in and, and, and land and, you know, they shoot them from the blind and all that stuff. That's exactly the strategy right here. The devil has a tree stand for you. He has a duck blind for you. And he's hunting you. He lies in wait with the appropriate deception designed just for you. One of the most amazing things that we can even think about or comprehend is this creator God came to this earth in the form of a baby. And he was born in a little stable, laid in a manger in a little town called Bethlehem. And that's Jesus Christ who came to this earth to redeem you. He gave his life as a ransom for many. If you'll come to him, to as many as come to him, he will in no wise cast out. Come to him now, give your life to him. Make him the Lord of your life, you'll never regret it. Your eternity is too important to take a chance. This is the most important thing you could ever do. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I take you as my Lord and Savior. I give my life to you. I believe you are the Savior. I believe you to be my Savior. I submit to you. I surrender to you. Come into me. Now, if you prayed that prayer, know you meant it. You wouldn't pray a prayer like that and not mean it. Let us know here at Power of the Word because we love you. We care about you. We've enjoyed being with you. Until next time, God bless you.
We hope you've been blessed by today's teaching. If you would like to receive this message by Dr. Ed King as an MP3 or CD for a gift of any amount, please visit us at poweroftheword.com or call us at 800-956-4433. Let the truths found in this message take hold in your life. Request your copy today.